Welcome to this RF Industry Icons podcast. I'm Pat Hindle, and today I'm talking with Alfonso Farina, a well-known Italian engineer that pioneered new technology and radar systems and signal processing. He has authored about a thousand papers and is noted for his work to bridge the gap between industry and academia. He is a fellow with the IEEE and IET with many honors and a fellow member of the European Academy of Science. Welcome, Alfonso. Thank you very much, uh, Pat. So you were born in a small town in the Riete area of Italy. What was it like growing up there? Yes, I was lucky enough uh, to be born in a village in the center of Italy. Actually, a few hundreds uh, living beings, uh, including animals and wolves, uh, could be heard from afar when it was uh, winter. The village is somewhat famous for the now ruined castle that saw the tragic story of Beatrice Cenci. I'm speaking about 1577, and she died in 1599. Uh, is a, a young Roman noble war, uh, woman executed and then re- risen to the role of popular heroine. In addition to Inca Ruined Castle, uh, there is an artificial lake below and fresh summer air. The village is around a square that is uh, that was crossed, that is crossed by a road, unique at that time. In the summer, uh, this is what I remember, a van came with a, a film projector. The projector on the, on the van was at one end of the square. And uh, I seem to still hear the magical periodic noise uh, of uh, the projector. The screen was on the other side of the square, in particular on the fountain where the animals also drank. All the villagers, including us little ones, used to bring their chair or small seat from home to watch the screening. There weren't many light, but you could see lots of fireflies and and then the stars in the sky. It sounds like the history of uh, uh, Nuovo Cinema Paradiso uh, is a film, a 1988 film, which won the Academy Award for the best foreign language film. But it was uh, indeed like that. If a rail car had to cross the square to follow the road, there was no rush. People stopped to see the film. I believe that the joy we felt has rarely been experienced by today's kid. With this childhood background, I was always looking for arenas where summer films were shown outdoors. My brother, Tony, has always been a film devourer, and he still is. He drags me to, uh, to cinema a few weekends. I also remember uh, Nicolini, uh, which I bless him, a politician and a full professor in architecture, for the now vanished invention of the Roman summer speaking about 1977 and uh, years later, where the projections uh, took place at the Imperial Forums. There was a 
massive and varied participations, including young mothers nursing their babies. I came directly from the office with my job bag and went to see the screening. Sounds like a great upbringing, a nice old-fashioned town. So I heard you developed a love for rocketry early on. What sparked the interest and what type of work did you do with rockets? Yes, my family soon moved from the village to near Roma to give us, me and my brother, the opportunity to be prepared to study at the university. I graduated from the brand new technical institution of electronics entitled to Nobel laureate Enrico Fermi, where I had professors coming from directly from the university teaching. In the meantime, Space Conquest converted me to rocketry. So my first publication dated December 1964, quite back date, on a journal which was entitled in Italy, Missili and Razzi, Ultra Cielo, translated in English, Missiles, Rockets, Beyond Skype. And uh, this first article was about the conception, design, and realization of a 1.5-meter long rocket, uh, which uh, subsequently has uh, successfully launched at the age of 18 from the shooting range of Urbara Air, Air Force uh, Base close to, close to Roma. So you received your doctorate degree in electrical engineering in 1973 from Universia La Sapienza in Rome, and you did your dissertation on Kalman filters. Can you tell us about the theory and how you became interested in that? Thanks for the question. I should add, uh, as I exploited this interest in the industry and academia. Few years later, uh, 1973, I got the electronic engineering degree at the Rome University, La Sapienza. Today, the name is just Sapienza without the article. With Antonio Ruberti, professor of automatic control, a leading scientist at the international level. He was also minister of scientific research, first in Italy and then at the Europe, United Europe. And I had uh, as uh, I did the thesis with uh, Professor Berti. The dissertation thesis was about the Galman filter. Part of my professional career has been galvanized by the Galman filter, an important mathematics jewel for a, for a huge spectrum of application, and still uh, uh, is very valid. This this sentence is very valid still today. Years ago. I had the honor to be, of becoming a friend of Professor Kalman and see him and um, his family, especially her, his wife, periodically. It occurred during one of these meetings that I showed the paper to, to Rudy, a paper on the connection between Kalman filter and the golden section. A golden section is a kind of yardstick of, of the beauty. It was used at the in the uh, by the Greek and still today it is a symbol of beauty and I uh, presented this paper to Rudy and he said okay I like it but uh, I don't see uh, big news 
Eventually, I published on the IEEE Transactional Signal Processing in August uh, 2019 an extension of this famous duality theory. I'm referring to the optimization uh, in the linear quadratic Gaussian frame. And the theory, uh, he introduced this, uh, this paradigm in 1960. It was a quite important paper. And the, the theory was uh, extended by myself and two, uh, two colleagues of mine to encompass not only the guidance law, control law, but also the radiated waveform from the reader on board of the interceptor for a rendezvous with another aircraft. And uh, the optimal value, the optimum values of the guidance law and the radiated waveform are proportional. We were able to demonstrate uh, that, it, that uh, they both were proportional to the target state estimate provided by the government filter. And hopefully, Rudy today would appreciate this new result. So what was your first job like after graduation when you joined Selenia, which is a Femicanica company that eventually became Celex ES? Yes. Uh, during my military service uh, as a lieutenant, uh, in the Air Force. I was assigned to the Air Force uh, radar department in Roma. There I got in touch with air traffic control system and radar products of Selenia, and I was engaged, engaged in some job interviews, and then Selenia hired me. It was 1974. I had to study a lot. I met a, a great masters, even gurus, I would say that I recognize as my mentors. From the very beginning of my working experience, I was engaged in advanced topics and I had to work hard on IEEE, IEEE, IET, scientific magazine, the transaction of aerospace, signal processing, the microwave journal, and the proceedings of uh, radar conferences. At that time, Selenia had the modern and very well-kept library, which I visited often, maybe every, every week, maybe even two, two times a week. During all these years, I had the opportunity to work on international teams and programs. I met colleagues from companies all over the world. The top management of Selenia engaged me in relevant programs and gave me key roles in radar command and control systems of international programs. I had the responsibility of departments of different uh, uh, industrial sites, being head of system analysis, chief engineer, senior vice president, chief technical uh, technology officer of the company. Notwithstanding uh, the, the bureaucracy that uh, to manage uh, uh, related to management, I never uh, given up uh, in technical cooperating shoulder to shoulder with my colleagues. You made fast progress and you became an expert in many areas of radar technology and you pioneered track while scan technology. Can you tell us about the development of that? Okay, looking back, uh, the story is quite adventurous. I was about taking my specialization in stochastic filtering theory when my uh, brand new Fiat 500 that I um, shared with my brother uh, was stolen together with my little bag containing my dissertation for specialization. Uh, 
Long story short, once in Selenia, I rewrote my dissertation from scratch. And this gave me the opportunity to conceive a brand new tracking algorithm to exploit in a pulse Doppler radar, the measurement of Doppler frequency, which is related to the radius speed of the target. And I proposed the new approaches for mono, mono radar, as well as multi-radar tracking for fast track initiation to avoid track swap when target paths came closer to mitigate the birth of false tracks. In addition, I re refined the adaptive logic to improve maneuvering target tracking. I introduced into practice one of the first combination of interactive multiple model and multiple hypothesis tracking for suitable performing multi multiple target tracking and the variable state interactive multiple model for advanced surface movement guidance and control system, what is called the ASMGCS. These algorithms have been the pillar of trackwise scan in cloud environment, helping in maintaining and complete situational awareness. With a bunch of colleagues, uh, remarkable, uh, I like to, re to remember their names, uh, Sergio Bardini and Antonio Graziano, uh, we worked to have these tracking algorithms on board operational land and naval systems for civilian as well as defense systems. This effective cooperation led to the conception and practical implementation of the algorithm and processing architecture of the novel, of the novel for the that time I'm speaking about early 80s multi-radar tracking, one of the first realized, at least in Europe, as far as I can, uh, I can argue, for air traffic control and defense systems. As time passed, it was suitably upgraded with the advent of modern technology and additional sources of information. I'm referring to GPS data, geography, and geographic information system data, for instance. And it continues to be in operation today as a key component of the international air traffic uh, management here in Italy. The late Dr. Flavio Alessandro Studer, uh, we, um, Sandro uh, for short, and the, the nickname, a bright colleague and great friend of mine, followed me in a full year, full hardy, um, enterprise to, to write the first book. Uh, I'm speaking about uh, 1985 and 1986. It was a two volume book uh, ever published about uh, radar tagging process, uh, uh, translated also in Russian and Chinese, in addition to the publication, to the publication in UK and the US. So passive radar is another area of work that you were involved in. And I've always wondered, I've seen not that much talk about it in the US, but it seems to me more work done in Europe on it. Can you tell us about passive radar technology and its advantages? Okay, thank you for this question, Patrick. About passive technology, a good starting point could be my plenary talk uh, entitled Green Radar State of Art, Theory, Practice and Way Ahead, available on the IEEE TV, 
recorded in uh, 2014 uh, during the IEEE International Conference on Acoustic Speech and Signal Processing held in Florence. This talk is counting uh, 1,600 uh, views uh, today, and I think it is a reference uh, to the increasing interest about this topic. This conversation with you, Pat, is a, a good occasion to me for highlighting the role of radar that the radar will have to play in creating a greener, more sustainable and fairer economy. The point is that now the uh, radar technology more than ever is interacting with many other rapidly developing areas of technology. Those of us in, involved in developing and producing it must con combine innovation and responsibility. From this perspective, passive radar is an interesting technology that may find new and more numerous applications, since it has the advantage of not needing to generate and transmit its own radio frequency signals. And this is also easy to install because it doesn't, doesn't uh, transmit electromagnetic energy. So people doesn't concern about this. So passive coherent location radar for sure, PCL, is based on locating object and tracking object with exploiting electromagnetic transmission already existing in the environment. I promoted the, the development project for a um, passive coherent location radar at the time when few believed in, it, uh, in its potential uh, application. Actually, that it, it added the possibility to, to work, practically work. In fact, Aulos, which is the, the name, the, the, the nickname of the radar, that we developed this, the so-called green radar that doesn't emit a radio frequency. In particular, uh, it comprises two circular antenna, array antennas mounted on a telescopic mast that can be developed at up to 15 meters from the, from the ground. There are two circular array antennas. The first is used to detect flying objects by the reception of frequency modulated radio frequency, frequencies while the other one uses digital video broadcast signals. The project began in 2004-2005, and since then, Aulos has demonstrated the ability to monitor air traffic up to 200 kilometers away, proving that it can also be used to track maritime traffic. We installed it into the southern part of Italy, in the island in the southern part of Italy, or even uh, drones in flight, commercial drones. The, this, uh, this last uh, application dates back just uh, before the, the pandemic. That's impressive performance. Uh, so what other areas did you work in? Because I think I saw something about synthetic aperture radar, ECCM, and quantum radar. Yes. For sure, the synthetic aperture radar laboratory, we do it uh, LabSAR is a nickname, experience deserves some, wor some words. I coordinated the LabSAR, the SAR laboratory, together with my colleague 
Francesco Minelli, Dr. Francesco Minelli, and collecting pioneering, pioneering efforts from different groups in the Film Mechanica company. I was asked to coordinate the activity across a number of uh, com companies into the into the film to the film mechanical group to build up technical technical expertise in the field of synthetic aperture radar for money, uh, remote sensing both for civilian and defense applications. Components was capitalized on synthetic aperture radar image formation from recorded raw data, platform motion compensation, synthetic virtual radar signal simulation, also in the interferometric mode, speckle filtering, fusion of images from different carrier frequencies, polarization and platform sensors, electronic counter countermeasure, and detection and imaging of moving targets by means of the conception together with my colleague and friend, uh, Professor Sergio Barbarossa from the University of La Sapienza of the space-time frequency algorithm. Also, funds were uh, granted by the European community on the ESPRI-1, uh, ESPRI stands for European Strategic Program on Research in Information Technology. This, actually, this was the very first uh, um, opportunity to have funding from uh, European community. And this Esprit One was on remote sensing project. It was our first uh, success in 19, uh, starting in 1985 in that contest. So a fund from uh, an institutional organization was earned to support the feasibility project of miniaturized SAR on board of an, of an RPV, remotely piloted vehicles. Concerning ECCM, electronic counter countermeasure, my involvement, uh, involvement uh, dates back uh, to late 70s, and it proceeded uh, for years uh, to move from an analog side lock canceller of a two-dimensional two long-range surveillance radar to a fully digital parallel technology for adaptive di uh, directional interference uh, mitigations in a modern multidimensional, multifunctional uh, phased array radar today in operation, also on board uh, of foreign uh, Navy ships. And there was a successful and long operation with my colleague, uh, uh, Dr. Luca Di Moneri and other colleagues. Uh, this cooperation was uh, pivotal to reach theoretical and practical results. Needless to say that I am also quite proud to have contributed to the ECCM chapters invited by Dr. the late Dr. Mary Skolnick in the second and third edition of um, the Reader Handbook that was edited by Merrill. I am also happy to share a uh, few words about uh, quantum technology. In 2008, uh, Professor Seth Lloyd at MIT, I uh, met uh, Professor Lloyd uh, in uh, 2019 at Waterloo University in Canada, just before the, the pandemic, it was in December, December 2019. So Seth Lloyd wrote an article on the use of the so-called phenomenon of entanglement between photons 
for low light quantum target identification application using an entangled pair of, pair of photons. <clears throat> in theory, the very close correlation created in this case between a pair of photons, which is a purely quantum effect, can be exploited to obtain advantages in a, in, to identify a target. One photon is transmitted towards the, the, the target. This photon actually is a microwave um, regime. So the difficulty is, 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 is in, the, in this case. Uh, while the other is held back, but to have uh, to maintain, uh, to memorize a photon, uh, it is another uh, technical problem, uh, quite, quite complex to manage. So one photon was transmitted towards the, the target while the other is held back in order to measure the correlation at the moment when the, the transmitted photons returns. It was demonstrated that the gain in the order of six dBs in the signal-to-noise relation could be gained, and which is far from being trivial. The quantum regime also gives protection from any interference precisely due to the close correlation between the photon sent and the one held back. Of course, huge difficulties uh, need to be um, overcome. The first demonstrator was built with an operative range of a fraction of a meter, maybe uh, about a meter. It is not yet capable of measuring distance, speed, and, and angular position. For the system to work, the correlated photons must be generated at temperature and maintained at temperature close to about uh, uh, absolute zero Kelvin. To provide the state-of-art snapshot, I have co-edited together with my friend uh, Dr. Marco Frasca from MBDA Italy and Dr. Basham Balaji uh, University in Canada two special issues on quantum radar that were published on the IEEE system magazine, respectively in April and November 2020. These reviews open with the key article by Professor Jeff Shapiro from MIT, a distinguished colleague of mine since 1982. Anyway, Surveillance application seems uh, far away as of now. The potential of quantum technology seems more respect, uh, exploitable in terms of secure and encrypted communication since any attempt to at intrusion is immediately apparent. The mere ob observation of the quantum state uh, irreversibly alter, alters it highlighting any attempt by an attacking party to detect the information being exchanged. Great. And then what led you to later become a professor at the University of Naples and teach? So you kind of transitioned from commercial to uh, teaching. Since my very first day, uh, days in Selenia, I remember that the cooperation with the university across Italy was very, very active. Also at times, uh, university professors uh, came uh, from a previous career within the company and continued to share professional interest in radar and to teach uh, courses related to, to radar. Personally, I've been uh, 
have always promoted this sort of cooperation. Often I say that half of my art beats for um, uh, universities still today. So along with my job in Salenia, I had the simultaneous uh, academic role as a professor at the University of Naples. I remember uh, that this formal and successful cooperation be began in 1979. At that time, I started uh, um, the course on radar techniques, probably the first uh, course in Italy. More recently, I was instrumental in, in unfolding a framework agreement between the company and universities to sponsor PhD, uh, PhDs funds uh, on, radar, on radar studies. The results have been very positive for, for both sides in terms of technology transfer, formation of young engineers and PhDs, some of which are hired by these companies. Creation of university spin-off were also achieved. To reiterate, the modal benefit, uh, the modal benefit is the following, the following one. Industry faces concrete technical problems. University shares mathematics, mathematical and theoretical means, so jointly we can find advanced solution. I also strongly believe in cross-disciplinary work and motivation that has led me to cooperate with mathematicians, physicists, and neuroscientists. I'm also honored to say that I've been recently appointed the president of Radar and Sensor Academy of Leonardo which is an active bridge between industry and academia and governmental institutions and customers, nurturing um, continuous uh, professional education within the company. Also, my current uh, role as a visiting professor at the University College London, uh, Department of Electronics, and uh, at the University of Cranfield witnesses uh, how much I still believe in collaboration between industry and the university also at the international level. So you've also been very active with publications and societies like the IEEE and IET, and you've traveled around the world sharing your knowledge. What were some of the main activities you led and awards that you won? Because there are many. Okay, thank you. So. My first technical publication dates back uh, uh, to 1977. It was a paper uh, on IEEE transaction on aerospace and electronic systems. So at that time, I was really a baby, a baby engineer. Subsequently, I published uh, more than 1,000 uh, uh, peer-reviewed uh, papers on journals and conferences. Among those, these, I'm pleased to say that about 20 publications are on microwave journal and conferences. During one of these conferences, in the 2017 edition of Electronic Design Innovation Conference in Boston, we met again with UPAT and we jointly rewarded uh, my colleague, Dr. Caterina Rapisarda with the outstanding paper award entitled Innovative Algorithm for Wideband Digital Signal Processing, Modern AISA Radar Architecture. And I'm very pleased to mention this. For my work, I have uh, 
won numerous national international awards. I would like to mention some of these. Young Engineer of the Year Award, now it is 1987, <laughs> and I was the first Italian to receive this award. Subsequently, a few more uh, um, bright Italian reader uh, researchers uh, received the same honor. In 2004, I was the recipient as a team leader of the first prize in the first edition Film Mechanica Group Innovation Technology Award. The winning project was on the practical and successful application of adaptive of, adaptive, uh, of the adaptivity to an advanced phase array radar innovation. Lastly, two events which I'm pleased and fortunate to remember are related to award ceremonies for their relevance. They distinguished the celebra celebrities I had the honor to meet and the gorgeous places where they were held. The first is, in, is the Royal Academy of Engineering International Fellowship Award. I received this award from the Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. The other one is the Dennis Picard uh, medal I received at the Ayrabouli Honor Ceremony in Montreal, Canada in 2010. And it was a wonderful week spent with my wife, Franca, in that beautiful city. At the award ceremony, Dr. Dennis Picard, honorary CEO of a, a Radiant Company, was so kind to write me a letter that was read at the ceremony. It was touching for me because uh, Selenia Company, in its beginning, uh, co uh, cooperated with uh, Radion Company. And 2010 marked the 50th anniversary of Selenia. And it was for me quite remarkable coincidence. So you bring great passion to the industry. What are some of the traits that you have made you so successful that you could share with us? Yes, no doubt. First of all, uh, the supporting love and patience uh, uh, of my beloved uh, wife, Franca. It is the seventh year's, uh, year that I lost her. And the, the loneliness at home is hard to mitigate, especially in this pandemic period. However, I feel fortunate. I'm still passionate and curious about life. And I think that the key trait of my life have, have been exactly this passion, curiosity, and probably overall perseverance. I have been always fascinated by complexity in the engineering term, which resonates with the visionary statement of Stephen Hawking. He said, I think this century will be the century of complexity. And I'm referring to a speech um, an article by Stephen Hawking uh, in the March uh, 2001. I also commonly blend mathematics, technology, and engineering, and the story of the people who have made it possible to achieve the results which are so crucial for the progress of humanity. So with your great career, what advice do you have to give to young engineers coming out of university now? To the new generation, I recommend the power of culture, of knowledge, and 
even more precisely the wisdom in using them and the ability to cooperate and to seek cross-fertilization. What I think is that the truth seems omnipresent. So try to challenge yourselves, I would say this to the students, to the young engineers, by looking for a piece of it. And I wish also to remember the IEEE motto, uh, Advancing Technology for Humanity. The world in which we live is beautiful, but not perfect, and often quite unfair. Whether engineers and all humans, and we in general, should do our best to turn the IEEE motto into reality. Also thinking, uh, to unconventional solution to solve emerging pressing problems. I try myself, as far as I can, to put into practice this approach. Last March, just one month ago, I gave an, a, an unconventional point of view about radar system at the IEEE radar conference in New York City. And this is the first conference that I attended in person just after the the pandemic. And during my plenary talk, uh, I, I gave a plenary talk entitled Radar Technology and Sustainability, how to conjugate innovation and social duty. And I illustrated how radar technology used to be associated to military application can contribute to some of the 17 sustainable development goals recommended by the United Nations. And I wish also to add that Carl Sagan, a very important astrophysics astrophysician who passed away in 1997, said during his speech in 1994 on the pale blue dot at Cornell University, Ithaca, New York, the following phrase, it underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly and compassionately with one another and to preserve and cherish the pale blue dot, the earth, the only home we have ever known. He referred to a wonderful image captured at his request to NASA by Voyager 1 camera in 1990, at 6 billion kilometers from Earth. Well said, thank you. Well, I really appreciate Afonso for you joining me today to discuss your career and technology developments. I learned a lot about your work in radar and greatly appreciate you sharing your accomplishments and insights from your life and your career. I think it'll be very helpful for young engineers too. For our audience, you can find more podcasts at podcast.microwavejournal.com. Thank you for listening.